This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains spoilers from Business or Pleasure and The Mortifying Ordeal, with mentions of Hosab, The Vampire Diaries, and Edge of the Woods. For full list, please see show notes. everybody, and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today is a very special episode. Today we are thankful. And if you are new to the podcast in the year of 2023, then maybe you don't know how we do our thankful episodes here at Akafe. So Jessica Marie, why don't you remind us all? All right. So... We decided after our first year that it was probably going to be really monotonous if you kept hearing us repeat the same thing um, about how much we we love everything. We love just about the podcast, about the book community, about fandom communities in general. So last year in 2022, we started a new like our new annual thankful episode. And basically, we would approach it as what book are we thankful for that came out in the year that we're recording? So for this one, we'll say a book that came out in 2023 that we also read in 2023. But we wouldn't necessarily cover it onto the podcast. So um, just a quick background. And again, if you're new, and you might already know this, um, some background on Laura and I, Laura comes from a lot of um, political intrigue with the things that she read historical fiction. I started reading contemporary romance um, and celebrity biographies when I got back into reading um, like January 2020. So we're likely going to pull from those genres. Um, We haven't really discussed like solidified with each other which books that we were going to discuss. We just knew that there was not going to be overlap with um, with that background on each other. So, and just some of the context, context again is like, what's a book that we would have read that we wouldn't necessarily talk about on the podcast, but we do find it was significant enough to talk about um, for, for our thankful episode. So that's kind of like a brief synopsis. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And it is a little bit more challenging than you would think because just just like a little peek behind the curtain, we go through a book a week for the pod. That's just what we do. So to read something else on top of that is like not to toot our own horn, but to toot. And it's nice. So those books that we choose to read outside of the podcast, like some of them suck. And some of them, <laughs> and some of them are really awesome. And the ones that are awesome that aren't applicable to the podcast, it, it is nice to talk about them in this special episode. You can kind of like save them, but the the I guess it's like the parameters, the criterion that we put on ourselves does make it a little bit more challenging. Um, but yes. you know, we thrive under pressure. So I personally am just so stoked, Jess, to hear what you have to say about this book. So please. Please tell me about the book that you have chosen this year. 
Okay, let me just preface this by saying it was hard, again, because of the the constraints we put on ourselves. We made our own rules, and so for some reason, we decided to stick to them because there were a lot of books that I had initially thought, but that I was looking at their publishing date, definitely weren't from 2023, and I, I didn't want to go back and not do the assignment well, um, but ultimately... Um, I had, I had one book that I thought I was going to pick and threw that out the window when I read this one. It is called Business or Pleasure and it is by Rachel Lynn Solomon. And it apparently I found out it can, it's read as a standalone. That's how I read it, but she does have other books where it's tied into, um, she calls it like her journalism career crisis of like, what do I want to do with my life? Trifecta is what she calls it. So I'm assuming there's other books. Um, and I might read them. I, I was intrigued enough to read them. But before reading this book, Laura, I told you, I was struggling. I had not read a contemporary romance in weeks, maybe months. Um, it's just been strictly fantasy. It feels like 20, like 2020 all over again. Once I started fantasy, I couldn't get out of it. And that's what happened with this book. Um, and why did I pick it? Why, how did this come to be? I got it as an arc. I, full disclosure, did not make that arc review deadline. Um, but here we are. And it's about a female writer. She's actually a ghost writer and she does celebrity. She, she ghost writes for celebrity biographies and she slept with her friend. The friend's like, I just want to be friends. She was obviously like unrequitedly in love with him. And so she goes out, she's feeling bad about herself and she sees a cute guy at the bar. The guy's like, Oh, I'm in town for business, blah, blah, blah. Turns out he's this celebrity of a crazy fandom. I'm going to assume it's, um, like this book version of Teen Wolf. Um, so he was in, like, it starts off at Emerald City Comic Con. She's like, oh my God, they're hitting it off. She has no idea who he is because she's just been so ingrained with work and school when at the height of this fandom. So they go home. She's like, I really, like, she goes home after having, like, this thing go really, like, really south with her friend, sleeps with him. She's like, this is the worst sex of my life. Goes home, tells her sis, like her cousin. She's like, I slept with this guy. Meanwhile, he gave her a fake name. So she doesn't know anything. So she's like telling her and her, remember, she's an author. Her agent calls her and she's like, hey, like we have a potential client for you to like do your next ghostwriting for. Who's it for? The guy that has terrible sex from this fandom. And of course, the story happens. Of course, this happens in the first like two chapters of the book. So it meets the pattern. It's all there. And if you're not familiar with the pattern, it's an official new segment that um, Laura has so generously um, brought to the podcast. Um, and I was like, if it's the pattern, if it's the pattern. And I mean, it is a traditional happily ever after book. Um, but it's all about the journey and how we get there and all the ups and downs and how we have he, and of course he thinks this was the best sex ever. And at one point after they get past the hurdle of her first saying, I am absolutely not going to take this assignment. I cannot ghost write for you. Um, the, she does. And they were like joking about it. And she's like, was it? And he goes, it wasn't. And he has this existential crisis that he's been having terrible sex his whole life it's really funny actually because he probably has 
Because he probably has. Because after she tells him that, and he's like, you know, trying to have his ego not bruised. He's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Like, my, I'm just, I got to go. And then he winds up getting drunk and calling all his exes, who all said the same thing. And she's like, really bummed because they had a lot of chemistry. And eventually she's like, well, if we're going to be, she made like an, a joke to be like, oh, you know, maybe I should teach you LOL. And he's like, would you? And she's like, I, that was, you did not take that for the joke as it was. But then she's like, well, maybe. And so then it becomes, it's very spicy. It's, I won't say very, I, I guess spicy is different for everybody, but it is spicier than I expected it to be. Um, but there's a lot of communication there. Everybody's getting the job done eventually. <laughs> so it works for them. <laughs> That's very surprising. I'm very surprised on all fronts. Um, what fandom do you, so you think it's like a Teen Wolf fandom? Oh, it's absolutely. Cause like the show is called The Nocturnals. It's about werewolves. The character that he plays, which is really funny. Um, uh, mortifying ordeal spoiler. His character isn't a werewolf, but is a like really studious nerdy student who's looking for an offset cure for lichen lycanthropy that's funny but i but also it's what was really interesting about this book it's it's all the behind the scenes that we know they talk about, i i'm really interested about the research that the author did because she's so specific with fan conventions she's just like just conventions in general pop culture conventions she's so specific about fandoms she's specific with the press side of it because it's like she has like fake outlet not fake outlets but fake stories of this fictional show where she's like, okay, here's the deadline exclusive. Here's from EW. Here's from THR. Uh, like at the peak of this show that like, you know, the author is doing research on for her ghostwriting assignment. And she's also talking about the relationships behind the curtains at the cons between the talent because, and it reminds me of all the things that we have a hand in like firsthand experience. We've been in the green room. We've, we've worked with the talent. We've done all these things. We understand the convention circuit with the guarantee that they're walking away and everything else is additional and everything is, you know, is cash, cash money, baby, cash money. We know what that means. We won't have to say it here. So it was really, really fun to read that I thought it was going to be like I was going to be more critical because we do have that behind the scenes um firsthand experience but it was done in a way where I'm like yep that's how it happens yes they fake it on stage yes that passive aggressive that you think is like really snarky fun banter with each other is actually their hatred you can see that and to see it written in a book was like oh you've really had a you really had a peek behind the curtain didn't you my question for you would be, we know that this book, because of the rules that we set out for ourselves, came out <laughs> this year. Is there anything in this book, because it is so specifically dealing with fandom and fandom culture, is there anything here that you would flag as marking it as dated, but uh, like ahead of its time? I wouldn't say ahead of its time. I mean, it feels, here's the thing, it feels very millennial. And you know how I think we talked about in the Kingdom of Feared episode with like the rose gold of it all? There's a lot of, um, th there's a lot of, oh, adulting is so hard or like the, the, pre the 
press outlet references are HuffPost and Vice. And it's like a lot of it's a lot of the outlets millennials tend to lean towards when finding their entertainment news sources. Um, I thought that's what makes it feel dated or at least geared towards a specific audience. Interesting. Interesting. Now you said that this is a happily ever after. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's so, so every so he he learns all of his lessons. Yes, he learned, and of course, like you have the jealousy trope because it's like. It, you know, they're talking about communication and she's like a W, you know, she's a gender, sex and gender studies minor, which we both have that background too. So that was really fun. Um, and she, you know, she emphasizes the importance of communication and she also emphasizes, this is all at the beginning of their lessons. I use, um, she emphasizes the importance of now this is what's going to work for me. That's not going to, you have to understand, it's not going to be the same for everybody. And like, of course, you know, feelings are feelings. And she's like, I get that I'm teaching him this, but I'm starting to really not like the idea that I'm teaching these things to him for him to use on other people, whether it's like dirty talk or asking what the other person wants and all the consensual things that come with sex. And it was, and he was like, well, but they also come to that realization that they don't want the other and it's not in part of a third act breakup they recognize it like i you know they spend holidays with each other because essentially her contract is to be his shadow because when she has to write for him she has to understand him force proximity i love it there's oh, a yeah, lot force proximity yes yeah yeah there's a lot of trips there's a lot going on that's really fun. So you said that you would probably read the other books in this series. Uh, is Do you have any information on those? No, I know there's one called The X Talk, and I had heard about it for a while. And then she references it loosely in the first chapter of this book. So I know it's part of the same universe. Um, and I didn't realize it till she referenced it in chapter one or something. I go, oh, that I do remember reading something about that. I remember I saw it at a time where I was, I think maybe I was strictly contemporary romance and I had added it to my TBR. Um, and then I took it off at some point because I obviously wanted to prioritize fantasy um, for a bit. But that that's that's the extent of it. That was my next question. In the back of your mind, subtly, your subconscious, like way buried back there, were you waiting for the magic? No, but... Did you want the magic? I always want the magic. And I think what helps right now, because I, every time I've tried to pick up a contemporary romance recently, I couldn't, I can't even get past the first page on the first chapter. I just, I'm looking for the magic and it just hasn't been there. And I knew with their contemporary romances, it hasn't been there for some time. And it was really struggling. And I think it was just the time, like, I think there was two things at play to make me enjoy this book. Um, one, our time crunch. I had a book. I had a book already. And I was like, this one became available at the library. And then when I reread it, because I read it and then I reread it, I realized that there was more stuff that I could pull out of this book than the, the original book that I was going to discuss on this episode. And, um, and I, I think that played a factor. I think reading um, Mortifying Ordeal, obviously, like, peak you you have the best of like the fantasy you have the contemporary romance you have like the the things to get excited about i mean slowest of burns 
but eventually a happily ever after in the traditional sense. And I always say traditional happily ever after because obviously people have a certain expectation when it comes to happily ever afters. But we've been known to discuss on the podcast that everybody's happily ever afters look different and not and that doesn't necessarily mean a happily ever after has to include romance, at least to us. Yes. Tell me about this female uh, MC. Do we like her? How would it like what drew? OK, you picked up this book. It was an arc. You, you have said this. And what what do you love about this book? What do you like about this book? Uh, crunch time, crunch time, <laughs> side, crunch time, and uh, you know I don't I don't relate to the character in a sense. Again, you don't have to relate to a character for a book to be fun to be good. Um, it was interesting because the I did see criticisms, which was interesting. Um, and again, criticisms are valid. Everybody's opinions are valid. It's depending on what you're thinking about going into this. I think I saw a criticism where somebody was like, "Well, where is it going?" And in my head, I'm like, the pattern. It's we gone. knew where it was yeah. going. It's, it's going, there. Going, going, gone. <laughs> the pattern was there. So whether you liked the, I think it's it's the journey, really. You knew what was going to happen. You knew they were going to get together. I loved, obviously, the the entertainment part of it. I loved the professional part of it. I love. I mean, this is my career in a different light and a, a whole different thing that I was doing prior to what I'm doing direct. It, it was just also connected with the things that we love. There was like the author even did an impersonation of she's like, oh, I asked the Dalek which direction to go to the hall. And I was like, and then she does the sound where it was like the Dalek answered. And then you have him like continuing to be in cosplay character of like exterminate. And it was just like, it was, it was such a specific touch again, that you don't casually go into fandoms. And I think that was what was exciting. One of the things I will say the critique that I have is when the fans would approach the male main character, they all seemed like crazy fangirls, like we're all delusional. Granted, we are, but at the same time, they made it seem like, I don't know, it made it seem like you kind of were like, why are you being like this? But there's a couple good lines that... I won't say quotable, but it's in the context of like the male and like the the male MC is very much like this is a fandom. This is and society is so quick to judge people on something that they love. And that and I think that's important to the book community, to the fandoms that we love, to the books that we discuss. Everybody is so quick to shit on the things that girls love and that and it just seems like the author was it was like a love letter to people who love and things and are passionate with the things that they love with their whole heart it does seem to an extent a love letter to them to be like we're all just living our lives like even the the sister or cousin they were just really close of the female main character she's like I'm in my 30s. I understand that this show was super cringe, but I'm going to lean into it. It brings me so much joy. She's trying to like catch her her uh, her cousin up to date. She's like, this seems really bad. She's like, because you have you didn't start from the beginning, and it just reminds me of everything that we love. You can't start a, a show mid season. You're not gonna you're not gonna fully understand and embrace it. And I think it's just embracing that level of cringe and love and 
it's just it marks such a specific time, like when you first started watching Vampire Diaries, and now it's acceptable to talk about, you know, gush over Vampire Diaries all over again, where it felt like something as an adult you couldn't really talk about. Um, yeah, <laughs> it felt like our world, honestly, the very life we live. The convention circuit is such a wonderful place, and of course, it is in an international place as well, and it it was. A feeling of coming home that I felt when I went to the Munich Comic Con because it was like, oh my gosh, I've been so removed from fandom. I've been living over here. Like, there, obviously, it was like COVID, all, all this stuff, all this stuff. So, like, it was wonderful to get to go and be home again in fandom. So, reading a book that is very specific about fandom life that we know so well not only I think would be a wonderful surprise, but also a comfort and a feeling of going home because you know, like you said, all of these little intricacies. Yeah, it was. And that was one of the things where it felt like, you, I think you you hit the nail on the head. It felt like coming home to like being a part of the convention circuit and being with, being able, it, it, and I've seen like, different things on socials where you've never, if people are saying like, Oh, are you an introvert? You've never met an introvert in the, the belly of the beast that is their fandom because every single introvert will become an extrovert when you're talking about this passionate thing. Cause that's what it, cause sometimes that's what it feels like conventions are. Every single introvert got gets to talk about the things that they love with the people who love them just as much as they do. Yes. Yes, and that's why the fandom and convention space is like so important. It's so important. And even though when was the, what was the last convention you went to? Was it Denver? Yes, I go to the Denver Fan Expo over yeah. the Fourth of July weekend every year, and it is super fun. That's every year, yeah. And I mean, of course, you like you explore, but this is like it was so fun because this convention circuit, like they talk about all this, you know, all the all the talents behind the stage. They're all in the green room. They're saying like, "Oh, am I going to see you next weekend at, at you know at Pittsburgh?" They're like, "No, I'm going to the one in Maryland." So I'm, I'm I have like a bye week, and they talk about people who have um, made the con circuit their their career, and a lot of it's because, and I know. Um, I can't remember. We'll find the article before we post and put it in the show notes. It was someone from Firefly. They said that they were making more money on the convention circuit. This is fact. We're going to get the article. Um, as opposed to actively doing like a walk-on role for two days. And, you know, as much as some talent, they love acting. They love the art. They love the craft. At the end of the day, the craft isn't always going to pay the mortgage. It's not always going to pay the bills. So it's like a work smarter, not harder concept. And they, they get into that too about like, and you know, the male being character, he's like, Oh, I'll see you at both. And they're like, Oh, you love this life. And he's telling the female main character, you know, behind the scenes, he's just like, it's such a double edged sword because you, when I'm on the con circuit, I want nothing more to be than being home. But then when I'm home, I want nothing more than to be a part of fandoms and seeing the friends. And it, like, it makes a difference to these people. And that means a lot to me because he's like, I, he goes, a lot of people went off and had these, had more roles and more opportunities. He goes, I didn't. And, but you know what? I've also seen 
the how, you know, when it goes to the extreme side of the pendulum, what happens, what can happen. And he goes, I don't want that. I'm happy that I can go grocery shopping. Maybe somebody recognizes me. Maybe somebody doesn't. But he's happy with the life that he created and still to, in, in a way do the things that he loves. That's really excellent. I really like that. That sounds like a really good book. It was fun. I was like, I was excited to tell you because it hits all the little things that we talk about separately, but it's under the contemporary romance guys. Yeah, that's really excellent. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing. Do you have, do you have any more like talking points on that? I am just so tickled that you found a fandom book, a contemporary romance fandom book to share with all of us. That is just so perfect. So, and, and I went into this blind. I didn't know what it was about. I had no context. It was just one of those here's an arc. Here's the cover. And I was like, okay, here you go. I'll, I'll request it. Um, I think this would be a great book. And if I haven't watched Teen Wolf, I'm sure we eventually will. Um, and by we, I mean, Laura will do a rewatch as I watch it for the first time. Um, I think if you like Teen Wolf from the context that I read, this is going to be a book that you'll love. If you love contemporary romance, like obviously put it to your TBR. Um, and if you like any, basically any type of werewolf specific show, that's what this book seems to be targeting. So even like if you liked Bitten, mm-hmm. um, we loved watching the show Bitten, all three seasons. So sad. Um, but it's also based off of a book. Um, this, you, this would tie right in, you know? That's it. That's so exciting. <laughs> so I was excited. That's so exciting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I mean, we talk about it a lot in our con episode, just like, you know, our con life in general. So um, now I'm excited to hear yours because I know you were just as excited to talk about it. Mine, it, mine is, well, okay, we'll start with mine. First of all, mine is, what is a man doing here? What is a man <laughs> doing here? So the author is a man. He is. His name is Andrew Rowe. Andrew Rowe has written a lot of books. Okay, so I'm going to be talking about the newest release of Andrew Rowe. This is Edge of the Woods, an epic fantasy adventure, and uh, The Lost Edge, his new series. Okay, so this this is the book that I'm going to be talking about. But before I can actually like talk about that book, I have to talk about the series because Andrew Rowe is like an indie author. He self-publishes. He has three series out right right now. They're out uh, on top of this newest release. He has The War of Broken Mirrors, which is like traditional fantasy, and then Magic School, which is his Arcane Ascension uh, series. And then he has uh, Weapons and Wielders, which is like straight dungeon crawling fantasy. Now, I'm bringing this up, the dungeon crawling fantasy. What is that? It is it is this new type of fantasy genre that Andrew Rowe and like his buddies like Will Wright and everybody have created. It's called progression fantasy. What that is, it is when a character like makes gets those gains basically. And it is essentially like playing a video game. Like you start off at level one and as you go, you get more powerful. You train with more people, you get more weapons, you go on adventures and you level up. So like video, it's a, it's a video game in book form. Yes. Yes. (gasps) Oh, and that's it, fun. And it and each series is kind of like a different, like 
homage to a different one, right? So there's a, a lot of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. It's a lot of Zelda. It's a lot of straight dungeon crawling. What I mean by that is like, they're like, all right, like we have to go climb the tower. So we have all of this inventory and I have this much money and I have to go to this store and buy this and I'm going to take this rope and it's this and I go into the tower and these are the traps. Okay. And then we have to solve the puzzles, solve the traps, use our team, rest. It's, It's very interesting. And I'm bringing all of this up because the new release that came out this year, Edge of the Woods, is set within the same universe as Andrew's Arcane Ascension series. Okay, so it's like an offshoot. It's And there is crossover between all of them. So if you have read, because this is the newest release, if you have read all of the books in his other series, reading this one is... Uh, a delight for most people. And here's the other thing that I'm going to say. I don't particularly like this book. I really don't. And I will tell you why. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Okay. Andrew Rowe, the author, does a really fantastic job at magic systems and world building, specifically magic systems, because he's such a D&D guy. He's like really into video games. That's his bread and butter. So, all right. So, the the magical theory that goes into these books is so specific and there are chapters and chapters and pages of pages of explaining um like like the 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 points and the ele- like the elemental magic systems on different continents and like how you would get like an attunement mark here and then channel your mana into another one within your brain and like that magic and using your eyes would do this all of this very specific stuff that i can walk out of the room do stuff and come back and they are still talking about that and ultimately it doesn't really do anything to the plot. It is just there to reinforce. And like, because if you love that shit, you love that shit and you love this shit. I don't love this shit. So I don't love this book. I love his other stuff. And so to have his other stuff referenced in this book is wonderful. It is so fun because I don't know exactly like what is what. Do you know what I mean? Like I went to the Climbers Court, which is Andrew Rowe specific Reddit group. And I'm looking at the like timeline questions, right? And they're like, all right, well, if this character is actually a splinter of this character that's from this series and that he's actually tied to this sword and this sword. So it's all very specific and like intertwined. Now, I'm excited. Sorry, I'm talking a lot. Why don't I like that? Because I like to play video games and to do all of that stuff internally. I don't want to read about it. I want to read about sweeping epic fantasies. I don't want to read about the minutia of my sword blade. That was what I was. Did you feel like it was hard to follow or by having a gaming background and the way you specifically approach your your quests do you think that helped i yeah i think so it is it's a lot of like inventory management and like you know a powering up and like again like magical theory so if you 
play, if you grew up playing like Zelda, then like you nailed it. If you grew up playing like uh, Dragon Dragon Age, Dragon Quest, or Dragon Inquisition, or yeah, Inquisition, Dragon Age, then that that would all that would all like play. You just you do all of that stuff internally, so I don't need to read about it. But there is another very specific genre of literature card like RPG Lit, which is. Um, where the characters are aware that they are in a video game. So, so they have the readouts of like their health, their magic bars, what their like stock is. That is its own kind of specific kind of literature. And so there's a lot of, uh, like gaming literature, like gaming books that are like books. That's, I was going to ask, how did you, did you, how did you come into this genre, these books? Like, how did you, how did, were you actively looking for something like this? Or have you already always known kind of thing? Uh, this is the best transitional question that you ever could have asked me, my goodness. <laughs> uh, I found this, I found Andrew Rowe's books and Lit RPG, which is, again, not what we're talking about. We're talking about progression fantasy. But uh, I found Andrew Rose books through the narrator, which is, again, a man. What is a man doing here? Uh, Nick Padel, which is... I love him. Yes, I love Nick Padel. If you've been listening to the podcast for a very long time, then you would know that one of my favorite narrators is Nick Padel. His voice, like, comforts me. Uh, if you are unfamiliar Maybe you don't know who that is. He is the narrator for Patrick Rothfuss's um, uh, da, 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 Kingkiller Chronicles. So that, that, uh, he, he does all of that. So it is through him that I found these books and that genre. It is also why I discovered that, like, I don't really like lit RPG, uh, RPG lit because I, I tried it because of Nick. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I really like everything that he does. He could probably make something that doesn't interest me. Interest me. He can't. But that's not his <laughs> fault. That's not on him. <laughs> but you know what? You tried. You challenged yourself. Yeah, I did. I did try. I did challenge myself. And I do feel like I challenged myself a bit with um, Edge of the Woods, too. Because I enjoyed... The interludes, which if you end up, er, not you specifically, Jessica, <laughs> I do not read this. Um, but if somebody out there is reading this and you're like, huh, I really enjoyed the interludes because I think he's talking to fucking Jonas. And Jonas is a character from some of the other books. And I really like that whole arc. So I, I'm not sure. Maybe it's an ancestor. But the, vo- but the voice that Nick does is the same voice that he does for Jonas in that series. So like... He has a lot of voices. He didn't have to do that one. So- oh, this is like when we when we were noticing and host up spoiler when Lizzie we, we knew who Cormac was always going to be because Lizzie had a very specific. We didn't read the book traditionally. We read it through audio, so we knew immediately who Cormac was. Yes, yes. So it's like ah ha 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 ha. Uh, so it, it was. It's just really fun. It's really fun. So I absolutely. Uh, recommend his other I recommend all of Andrew Rose books of course but I recommend his other series now if you love gaming if you love gaming if you love gaming as I do and I'm sure other people do uh, Andrew Rowe also has another book called How to Defeat a Demon I think Demon King in like 10 steps or less or whatever it's the shortest 
little book in the world. It's delightful. They kill a lot of like blob slime to like get their points up to like go do. It's a female main character. It is so fun, so lighthearted, but very much video game centric. And here's the other thing that I'm going to say is that I have not played an enjoyable video game that like just me in a very, very long time. I've been not in like a game slump, sure, but like nothing that's come out has really like interest me besides uh, Control, which is a fantastic game. And I would recommend uh, anybody in the world play that game. It is just fantastic. But it is kind of nice to know that there are books like this that I can like level up to because this new release edge edge of the woods is incredibly technical. I will never read this book again ever in my life. It is just so much jargon. Andrew is an expert at that. Arcane Ascension is so much fun. It is magic school. It's a bunch of kids. It's like it's like tower, like dungeon climbing. It is amazing. That is l- very much less technical. There's romance subplots. There, there's like balls. The, it, it's wonderful. That is so much fun. And then the war of uh, broken mirrors fucking slaps. And that is like political intrigue that spies that's like double crossing plots within plots that's like it's combining the gaming and the things that you love with reading with the political intrigue with like just that storyline and even if there's romance it's not what what do we talk about it's plot with romance not romance with plot yeah and and andrew wrote the author also had named one of his characters talian and that name Tickles author or editor Sam. It just tickles his funny bone. He cannot. He's like, Taylor, that's just he. I don't know. It's so funny. He's like, that's just an absurd name. Is it his Cardin? Is it Cardin tail PTSD? For I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just say I just think it's very funny. It's very amusing. But, you know. Well, and I know you have a specific criteria. I mean, we talked about it in our gaming episode. Um, the The criteria you have for video games that you like to play that that interest you. Do you feel like those same criteria that you have for video games, you applied it to finding and reading these books? Aside from like the hundred something hours that you like require. Sure, (laughs) sure, sure. sure. Uh, Good question. I read the magic school first. So I went into it expecting magic school. So when I got magic school video game, you know, or magic school, you could also very much say that it's when I'm saying video game, you could very much apply this to a Dungeons and Dragons, to a Catan, to a strategy board game. This is it covers all of these things because it's all resource and inventory management and conquering more or less like you know or like covering territory i would say more than conquering and so that that is key here so it it was just like this delightful find really and i found learning about myself that i don't like the the minutia i i don't care i i just i don't care i want i want more sweeping epic i want less detail about 
how the hardness of the ma- of the nail is impacted by my sword essence. I, I just I just don't care. You know, just like use your sword essence, man. I don't care that you have to like do all this stuff about it. Do you think it was the writer's way of it's kind of it is an equivalent of world building. And, you know, we when oh, we yeah. talk about fantasy, like if we see if we're able to picture it on um, on the screen, you know, in whatever capacity, TV, streaming, tel- movie, whatever, um, there are certain components where we're like the details here add to the to help us visualize it. Do you feel like that happened? Because if you're thinking, Oh, in a video game, and this is so difficult in a video game, he would probably be kind of like hacking it away. It's not just like uh, using the essence. I don't know. I don't play video games. Well, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I just discovered that I'm not the target audience for this, right? I'm the target audience for his other series. Okay. So the people that love this, love this, like, because his, his, he has, all right, all right, let me back up. Andrew Rowe has a really fantastic website that is not updated with the edge of the wood stuff yet because it just came out like really recently, but it is updated with all of his other stuff. So it's an updated reading order, depending on like where you want to start, what you're into, what you feel like. It's really great. It's got everything there. And it's like what he kind of prefers, all of that stuff. And it also has like maps. It has the magic systems. It has a huge uh, questions and like answers page or whatever. But it also has like why people love magic systems. It's an, a whole thing that he wrote about it. So and what he says, and I'm quoting it, and this is from andrewrow.wordpress.com. He says, uh, to a certain subset of the fantasy reader base, a detailed magic system that is applied in a consistent way allows for a fantasy story to have a similar style of appeal. So when a character learns a new spell or picks up a new power or finds a new item, a reader of a fair play fantasy can try to think about how the protagonist might cleverly use that new thing to solve problems later on in the story. So what? It, so it's inventory management that you, the reader, are actively doing as the character. So you're in it as the character. So you pick up an item, and you're like, gee, I wonder how we're going to use this later to like solve the problem that we're doing. And then, like, use it, and then you're kind of like parsing from what you've learned from the environment and the magic system. So it's like you're playing the game and learning as you read. I don't need to do that as I'm reading. I would like to do that as I'm playing. Because as I'm reading, I want sweeping epics. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So what makes you... So, like, why these books? Why this Mm -hmm. author? What makes you thankful for this? Well, I'm thankful that I... (laughs) That you know what not to read? Well, sort of. Sort of. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. I'm thankful that I don't limit myself at all in who I listen to, because if I limited myself to only female narrators, then I would never get Nick. And I love Nick. So I'm thankful that I have Nick in my life because I love Nick Padel and his books. And I'm thankful that he led me to Andrew. I am also thankful that this genre exists because growing up, there was like such a limited amount of books for people. And this is so genre specific that It is a joy 
to know that these are scratching the itch for somebody and that these like didn't exist really uh 30 years ago, 20 years ago, in an accessible way. I say accessible. Andrew self-published. All of his stuff is on Kindle and like uh, Audible, all of that. It isn't like out there at bookstores and stuff. And if you go, again, I'm not I'm not, I'm not a sponsor. He's not a sponsor. But if you go to his website, he like talks about all of that and like why he's doing all of this and like why he has the freedom and all of it. You know, he, he can say it himself in his own words. Um, but I'm thankful that... I am able to know that this author is kind of going in a direction that I'm not super interested in. So maybe I'll let him chill a little bit, but I have his back catalog that I love and I'm thankful for that. I'm also thankful that his audience is so involved in what he's doing that they're supporting this very technical, like jargony book and, and loving it. It's like, cause that's the target audience. I'm not the target audience. And I learned that about myself and I am thankful that I was able to learn that about myself too, because I, I don't need this. I have now really kind of narrowed my focus on what I love in reading and again, I find that to be helpful because there tends to be a, oh my God, that book is gorgeous. I'm going to pick it up at the bookstore and I'm not going to read it. But like his audience, his books are strictly online. He interacts with his fans. It's like you have, you know, you have to like kind of work for it a little bit more. And it is not like a pretty thing that you're going to display, right? It's so niche. And it's to the point where you have to engage, you have to read it in order to be a part of this specific genre and community for this author. And for it to continue, for him to do more. Like you 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 have to like be there. And and I do find that that um intimacy that you have is wonderful too. And he does not, he's not like a weirdo either. He doesn't like overstep or like get into like reviewer space. He's, he's not like, he's not like that. He's cool. He's cool. He's cool. Uh, you know, even though a man, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> so I, I just, I just enjoyed this whole learning experience that I had with myself because if, because if you had asked me before this book, like, hey, do you like this? Like, are you into this? Like, are you really excited about this new release? Because it's the new release says it's a mix between like Japanese manga and Zelda. And it's a lot of like sword crawling and like all of this stuff. And it is all of that. And it is like this sweeping, like big epic adventure. It is, but it is chapters and chapters and chapters of jargon. I like how you specified that with this book specifically, they said like, you know, the crossover between it's a mix of this, a mix of this and a mix of this, which I think says more about the book as opposed to when you say it's a cross between X book and Y book, because then when you sometimes when you you're like, oh, my gosh, if I like this in this book, I'm really going to like this book. One plus one is an equaling two sometimes. So when you make it a genre oh if you really like 
fantasy, romance, you know, romanticy, but you really like contemporary romance, this might be up your alley. Yeah, because I'll, I'll just like very briefly touch on the plot of Edge of the Woods. So our character is is Faye. He lives in a very like Zelda-esque enchanted fairy woods, like the Lost Woods. He's got a little Navi, his friend, uh, and he starts off as a child. We start off with him as a child. He's got a dubious background. He lives with an adopted elder. He's got a seal mark on his hand. And he goes through like training with novices, training with masters, you know, getting his own sword, learning how to do his own power, learning about his seal, like having a little bit of a romance, a little crush and, and really coming into his own. And then at the end, he kind of like interacts with who I I think is Jonas. And uh, that's not a spoiler if you don't know. And uh, uh, it ties in kind of some of this other stuff and it ends on a cliffhanger. So you're like waiting for the next one. And part of me is like, well, I can read the interludes because that's the parts that I'm really interested in is kind of what's happening because it's like uh, his the main character will talk about his story in the past and then the interludes will be present day where he's walking with scribe and talking about just like everything and like, but that's where the meat is, is during the interlude. The meat that you're interested in is in the interludes. But I, I really kind of want to end my little segment here by talking about uh, the writing style of Andrew Rowe as a whole. And it's very fast and snarky sarcastic and uh like i would i would say i would say funny it, it it's it's yeah i would i would say funny i i really enjoy it because it is just hmm, let me see how can i put this how can i put this so andrew's style is very funny it's very dry it is very snarky and it is like that kind of throughout all of his books and his female characters are like that too and he does write a really fantastic female character, I think, in Edge of the Woods. And in the very like beginning of this chapter, and I will talk about the pattern, but in the beginning of the book, in the first chapter, our character is like fighting, fighting uh, his friend. And she is just like, they're play fighting and they're imaginary and she's the princess. And she's like, I'm not just going to sit here and like wait for anybody to fucking save me. I mean, they don't cast, but you know what I mean? To save me. Like I, I can save myself. Like I am a warrior. Like I don't have to wait for a man to save me I, in my tower, like whoosh, whoosh. And she like saves herself. And it, it's just really wonderful. And all of the women are very powerful in his stories. That's consistent. And it is it is refreshing too, and there is almost no intimacy. There's like no sex scenes in any of these stories either. So it is just different and a little bit unique from some of the things that we have done before. And the way that Andrew kind of approaches, or actually, I would say. The way that Nick Padel does his women is also kind of funny. Like, he doesn't have a fantastic range when it comes to women. But the humor is translated really well. And I do not feel like in fantasy there is enough humor that that isn't slapstick. Do you know what I mean? That isn't just, like, crass. Like this feels like witty humor. Yeah, 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 and and it's like really, it's it's quick and it's fun and everything's a little bit connected, maybe possibly 
maybe. And that's a little bit fun too. And I, I don't know. I just, I just feel like knowing that this is out here, like it's also an alternative for a magic school. Like if you're in the magic school genre and you want something a little bit different, like you have that too. And, you know, if you love board games, you can, you can come here. If you love video games, you can also come here. And it's, it's very easy to read or listen to these books just because they're enjoyable. I just learned a little bit about myself that I just don't like some of that stuff. And that's just fine. Um, because again, like I said, none of this stuff existed, uh, really when we were growing up. So huzzah, so that people can enjoy this stuff because why limit anything that you read? A hundred percent. Well, and that's how you learn. That's like exactly you said, I'm thankful because I learned more about myself by not limiting. Like, yeah, it's right there. Yeah. And, and it's just, I don't know. I, I find it interesting that these books that Andrew has are not his first like books. He has a shit ton and he talks about it on his website, a shit ton of books that he wrote that are just garbage. He says he said he, they've got titles and like he says that they're garbage and it's just so like it's kind of refreshing because a lot of uh, authors kind of guard their early work or like take it out or like do anything. And Andrew's just like, yeah, it's shit. It is ass. Let me tell you about it. But you know what? I think it's also something I, I, I could I understand wanting to like withhold like this isn't perfect. It's not exactly what I want. But I also think it's something to be said when you you see the growth that an author does. And I know we've read books where we're like, oh, this is definitely like, you know, this is a great first book. And then you find out that this is not their first book. You're like, oh, you know, and that's whereas here he's like, this is my earlier stuff. I highly rec- recognize that is it is not my strongest work, but growth. We love growth. <laughs> Yeah, we love growth. Growth growth is so special in in all I think aspects of life. So this this was very special to me. So thank you for letting me share this with you. Uh, again, I will not be rereading this book. I cuz I was going to ask I was like why would you, I, I I mean I feel like we talked a lot. It's a kind of all over the place, but like was there a specific thing that made you feel like why it's not good for the podcast or is it partly because you're like, I learned that this isn't for me. Why would we discuss something that we're not passionate about and we don't enjoy a hundred percent? Yeah, sure. Uh, I would not put you through this. <laughs> that's why. What's the same thing that I would do with contemporary romance? I wouldn't, I know that's not, you don't love contemporary romance. I wouldn't put you through that. Yeah, I I would not put you through all of this jargon because I know you and you'd be sitting there taking pages and pages of detailed notes. I would. You do know me. (laughs) On how to create a sword because you think it's going to be important later, but it's not. I 100% would. I'd be, it would be like a textbook when all my whole, all yellow highlights everywhere. Yeah. And so I'll end my segment. I'm ending now. This is my end by saying that technically, yes, this book follows the pattern. However, because this is a gaming book, it's, it's a gaming book. I'm just going to say it is a gaming book because this is a gaming book. I am not applying the same like set of standards to it at all. At all, because it's a video game and in a video game, storytelling is a different 
beast than what we're doing here. Of course, they like all it same shares like same aspects. Yes, it does. Okay, fine. Yes, it says don't don't fight with me here. But like it's just different. So I'm not going to apply the same the same criteria. However, it does. But that's you could say the same thing about fix. Like we were talking about the other day when we read fanfics. Like there's a different criteria, and I think there's a conversation going on on socials as well. Like the criteria for how we read fanfiction, and as opposed to traditionally and individual and like indie published books, is vastly different. As it should be. Yeah, as it should be. As it should be. Uh, jumping off what you just said, uh, Edge of the Woods does not have a traditional happily ever after because it just ends on a cliffhanger and keeps going. So, like, it's that, not. That's to keep you going. Part yeah. of the journey. Yeah. It's part of our journey uh, on our progression fantasy as our character levels up and gets more life skills. So, yes. Yes. that That is that is what I'm thankful for. What a very interesting Interesting two books. They do sort of follow kind of last year's books a little bit, a little bit. You had a contemporary oh, romance. Yeah. I had like a, like a straight, last year. yeah, I had like a kind of weird esque, fantasy esque book sort of talking about politics are heavy. Yeah. Heavy on the jargon, heavy on the politics, heavy on the footnotes, heavy on the detail. Same, same, same. Yeah. See? See, we are consistent. Consistent, consistent, consistent. Unintentionally so. This is another thing that Mark spoke with us. And we'll see if we pull it off again next year. (laughs) So please feel free to follow us on Akafe Podcast on Instagram. We're also both on TikTok, Akafe Laura and Akafe Jessica. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. And of course, um, it goes without saying, but we're going to say it that we're also thankful for you all who continue to and join us on this journey, on our chats, on these adventures, and on everything that continues to help make the community of fandoms and books and movies and everything grow. So thanks so much, and we'll talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye.